0: Adam. Yeah. Um, when
1: if that sort of worship is a little bit different to what you've been used to, if you're here for the, the first time, if, you're, if you've been in church for years and it's a little bit different, it's just a place where we don't want to move when there's a sense of God's working in people's hearts. Um,
0: That's what we're here for. We're here for him. It's not about us,
1: it's about him. So we want to try and worship him as best we can and connect with him as best we can and allow him to minister to our hearts. So I pray that your heart has been touched in that time. And I'm also asking for some permission. We're probably just going to go over a little bit um, of where we've been time-wise. Do I have permission to do that? If you need to go, you have permission to go. If the kids teams we, who we want to try and honour, if, if anyone wants to, at a stage, go and bring the kids up, then we're family. So that means the kids can come and they get to play in all of this. So we want to hear from Jesus. He's already been ministering to our hearts. Let's have that continue. So this is who we are. We're genuine people. We're authentic people who are trying to follow Jesus as best we can. And we've been on this journey, well, (laughs) we're continually on this journey, but the last two or three weeks we've been in this sense of how do we stop the bus for a moment, consider our ways as we're challenged, as we've been going through this book of Acts, trying to learn how to be a little bit more like. Jesus, because that's the call that's on our lives. If you want, and this is your first week here, you can connect with the last two weeks, and that will bring you up to speed of where we're at on that. But basically, we're trying to be a little bit more like Jesus, because that's the call that's on our lives. And I'm going to apologize. The last two weeks, I've sat, because we're on this together, and I want to be sitting down to say that we're learning this together. But this week, I have to stand because this is stuff that I get so passionate about, I feel like I'm being constrained if I sit. And so I need, and I urge you, this is stuff that we need to take on board. I think God's working in our hearts individually, but also as a community at the moment around coming back to the place of worshiping Him, and then the overflow of that it means that we get the benefit together, but also our city. And our region get the benefit because God is working in and through us. And so we've been um, looking at our love for God, our faith, the genuine faith. We looked last week at authentic community. What does that mean when that love overflows out of our hearts into those who are immediately around us? But the beautiful thing is it doesn't stop there and it was never intended to stop there. That's Religion. But the love of Jesus is meant to overflow out into those who need it most. And that's what we keep challenging ourselves on. And you'll have heard that over and over and over as you join with us as a community. That's intentional. It's because that's who we are. We want to be focused on those who need to hear and to experience the love of Jesus most. And if you're here for the first time... That's what our heart for you is, that you would feel so welcome here that the overflow of what we're trying to see flow through us would flow through into you. And so, um, if you've got a Bible with you, if not, there's a few around the side. We've been in this part of Scripture in Acts chapter 4. And so I want us to go back to that. Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to 35. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that anyone had the of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the seals and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Sounds like a good community, doesn't it? It sounds like something that people can get their head around. Of course you would be generous. Of course you would look after one another. But can I tell you something? There are many, many communities that that can happen in. What's the difference with us? What's the difference with the early church here? It's right in the middle of that, where it says, "...with great power..." The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. They couldn't stop talking about Jesus. Why? Because there was a hope in the fact that Jesus had risen. OK And I'm going to explain that a little bit in a minute, but there was a hope that was there that was so contagious and was such a life-changing message that they couldn't contain it to themselves. They couldn't just stay within their community. And today, I I feel like that message, that good news, that's where we get this word gospel from. The good news about Jesus, it doesn't seem that good anymore. It's been diluted down with cynicism, it's been diluted down with lies, it's been diluted down with taking half-truths and twisting them. But guess what? It's still good news. Jesus is alive. It's the most hopeful message that there is, and we've brought it down for the sake of time. If you want to go back, I think it's in June time last year. I did a message around. I love it when a plan comes together, and it brings the it's like the full gospel. What we've tried to bring it down to, the good news down to, it is there's some random bloke Jesus came here, he loved you, and he died for you. That's it. That's what we've that's what we've narrowed the good news down to now. And why would that? How would that resonate with anyone? Some random bloke that I don't even believe in died for me. So what? It's because we need to tell the full story. The full story of the gospel, the full good news is that you were created. You were in God's mind. You were in his heart. And he said, there's this time in history where I need to create you.
0: For relationship with him...
1: to worship him, our creator. But the other purpose was to rule over creation. But that wasn't good enough for us as mankind. And so what we decided was, no, we are going to decide for ourselves. And so man breaks relationship through Adam and Eve, breaks relationship for eternity, but also breaks the purpose and their heart towards the purpose that they're sent towards. But God was so loving and this relentless pursuit of us that he said, no, I can't leave it like this. I love my creation. I love my children so much that I'm going to pursue them, constantly pursue them. And so through this family, Abraham and his family became this nation of Israel that basically all the Old Testament tells us is that over and over and over and over again, they tried to do it on their own effort, but there was a need for someone to restore the relationship through their perfect behavior and their sacrifice that would take the place for us. And so that, all throughout the Old Testament, we keep hearing this word of this Messiah or this Savior that was going to come. And everyone knew that the prophecies that had been given in the past like, had all come true, except this one around the Messiah. The Savior of mankind. And Jesus comes in the New Testament. He dies on the cross. And he is that he, he takes our place Why? so that then relationship can be restored and our original purpose and our original design is restored. And so the rule and reign of Jesus begins at that point. That's what we talk about, the kingdom of heaven. It's not just like a, a physical place. It's the rule and reign of Jesus begins. So he would reign over creation, have us alongside him in doing so as co-heirs with all the co-authority towards God's perfect future, restored future. And that's the hope that we keep having. That because of what Jesus has done, we have a future. There is a future. Get this. There is a future for us. I know it's hard to think like that when you see around in our world at the moment and it just seems to be coming an increasingly and increasingly hopeless. But there is hope. And the thing is, even the secular narrative plays into this. Okay? So what the world will tell you is, as we progress as people, we become more and more towards perfection. And there's this future utopia in front of us. Okay? So what is that? It's basically the kingdom narrative with God taken out of it. And that goes back to the beginning of time where we tried to say, we can do this on our own. Adam and Eve saying, we'll be our own God. So we're just repeating the same thing again. But the problem is, whenever you throw God out, we throw out hope. True hope. So there's this guy, Cornel West, who's an American philosopher. and He, he talks about like the hope that we have as Christians is so much different to the hope that the world has. Because the hope that the world has, if we don't have Jesus, is just optimism. It says this optimism is a notion that there's sufficient evidence that would allow us to infer That if we keep doing the things that we're doing, somehow things will get better. Somehow things are going to get better. But We throw on God out and he is the source of hope. You see, trying to believe these secular narratives, that actually requires more faith. More faith than it does to believe in a creator who has always had a plan and purpose for us. Who has always had a hope-filled future for us through Jesus. But ever since Jesus res up his resurrection, there have been stories that have gone around beginning with the Roman guards and the Roman uh, authorities who said, we're going to pay you money to say this didn't happen. And so these people in the early church knew we have to get this message out. Why? Because hope has come. Hope has come and we've missed it. See, people had all these ideas that Jesus would be this physical ruler. There was a a desire for a hope-filled ruler that was going to come. People thought it was a physical ruler, but Jesus had come and he was going to rule over all. And so it's a hope-filled message that begins with God. So Romans 15. I just want to focus on this really quickly. Romans 15. If you want to turn to it, you can. I think the guys maybe have it on the screen as well. It says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see how it begins? Hope begins with God. He's the God of hope. He's the beginning. He's the, the middle. He is the fulfillment of hope. Every part of hope comes from him. It has to be because he is the creator. And he is the one who has that future for us. Without him, this utopian narrative makes no sense because there is no hope for the future. It's only optimism. Even the president or past president of one of the most secular nations on earth, Uh, France, President Sarkozy. This is what he said a few years ago. Secular morality always risks exhausting itself because it is not backed up by a hope that fulfills mankind's aspiration for the infinite. There's an eternal hope, a true hope, that is only found in
0: Jesus. Only Jesus And a lot of you may be here and you're thinking, that's okay, I've
1: already accepted Jesus. I don't know how you all stand in relationship with Jesus. Do you have relationship with him? Because if you don't, you don't have hope, a real true hope. And that's why we stand here, because we want you to have that. So I'm going to give an opportunity at the end for people to respond to that. And if you want that hope, then please, please think about that over the next few minutes. But look at it, hope was meant to what? Overflow. So you see, this is the thing, we've been on this journey this last few weeks, a very inward journey, but it's meant to overflow. It's meant to flow out of us. As we are filled, it flows out. That's why we have this mission statement here about we long to see the hope and love of Jesus spill out into the hearts, homes and streets of the city of Carlisle and beyond to see this whole region come alive. It may not seem like it at times, But we sort of have an intention about what we want to do. We want to be hope carriers. We want to love genuinely. With no other reason but to love people with the love of Jesus. It's an infectious hope. It's meant to spread. Infectious means liable to be transmitted to people um, or organisms through an environment. This is why we do things like this. It's not just a nice thing to do. It's because we want the hope to spread. But the thing is, hope, I asked a couple of my friends this week for their, what hope means for them. And my friend Ryan said this, hope is only needed when there is darkness and despair. You see, this world that we're in right now is crying out for hope. It's crying out for hope. And what are we doing? We're too busy arguing among ourselves. What's the right type of church? We argue over theology and the Bible And we spend so much time on things that really, really are secondary issues. And we haven't caught on yet. And I know we're pretty good at this as a church. We love to look outwards. But I'm going to say this to us as a challenge. We haven't fully got it yet. We haven't fully got it yet. That there are people out there who
0: need, they're not projects, they're not just
1: another event. They're not just a program. They're people who are crying out for hope. And we have that hope. And it's meant to overflow from us. How do we pass that on? Well, we do it by this verse. Look what it says. We overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we believe in having God's Word and the Holy Spirit. It cannot be either or. It has to be both. We've been equipped By God himself, living within us through the Holy Spirit. But again, through the generations, the church, that's all of us, as the church, we've tried to do it on our own strength. And so what's happened is we either um, go out, and I know this, I've said this before, in Northern Ireland, we've done the the turn or burn, trust or combust sort of stuff. There is no love in it at all. It's just like you're going to hell. Love Jesus, everything's all right. It's not loving. It's not loving. And on the flip side of that, we also have got into a society of doing really good moral things. But we don't talk about Jesus. And that's not loving either. Because that's giving false hope. Yeah, everything's okay if we feed you. Everything's okay if this happens, if this happens, if this happens. But it's not Jesus. So it's not true hope. We have to talk about Jesus. And I'm not saying that we go out onto the streets and become these Um, hate preachers, I'm not saying that, that we become people who just constantly shove stuff down people's throats, but when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, it means that when we see an opportunity, we'll recognize it and we'll do something at that moment. So when there's an opportunity to pray with someone, we say, I am going to choose hope for you, can I pray for you? When someone is going through something that you have gone through before and you get to share your story of how Jesus
0: Came in and brought you hope.
1: Are we ashamed of him? Because it feels like either we we don't believe that he is the carrier of hope and the true message,
0: or we're ashamed of him.
1: And I'm saying to you that I am sick and tired of feeling like Jesus is second best in this society when he is the one person who can bring. True hope, an infectious hope that lasts for eternity. And we might not see the immediate change in that, but we know that in the long term, each of us have a hope. That's why we pray, Come, Holy Spirit, here. Because we know we need the spirits Holy Spirit's power. It's not that you know God isn't here and suddenly we invite him in, you know. It's not that. I love um, what Jay Pathak, he's an American pastor, said around us recently about the vineyard movement. Because we pray this because, I think he's quoting Jonathan Edwards, we want to warm our affection to have a sense of his presence. It's like we pray, come Holy Spirit, because we want to literally feel, what are you up to? Who are the people that need this hope? And you know the beautiful thing about that is, it's not restricted to Here. We get the overflow into our everyday, the hope of Jesus.
0: I want to try and bring this in the land here.
1: Sorry, I'm a bit all over the place. I want to try and bring it in the land. See, we can only overflow from what we have ourselves.
0: We can only overflow from what we have
1: ourselves. And I get that sometimes. I've had a real sense of it this morning, that some of us don't feel very hopeful at all. We cannot see a way out. We cannot see a future. We cannot see where this hope is at. Can I bring you back to the start of that? Look, may the God of hope fill you. Okay, So he fills us with joy and peace and hope as we what? Trust in him. See, the thing about trust is, If I was to call someone up here and say, hey, do you trust me? Okay, fall back. And they look around like this and they see what's going to happen. That's not trust. That's not faith. That's not hope filled. It's false hope because you know what's going to happen already. But trust is built in the hard times. And I wish that it wasn't. I wish it would be easier than that. But Jesus doesn't promise that hope comes easy, it's from Him. But our sense of it, our trust comes when we don't see the outcomes, yet we choose. I get that. We choose. Hear that? We choose to trust anyway.
0: If I be honest with you,
1: this week I've felt really spiritually battered and bruised. And I'm journeying with a friend back home who was on fire for Jesus, it was in youth ministry. And right now, for the last 18 years, for 18 years, journeying with deep depression and deep anxiety, it's causing suicidal thoughts and tendencies. And yet he's teaching me something in all of it. Because whenever he wants to give up, there's just something like a little mustard seed of hope that's within him. See, that's hope when you cling to even a mustard seed. And I wish I had the answers for him. I wish I knew what was going to happen. Sometimes I look at it and I'm like, Lord, what are you, what are you up to? I don't know. But, but, see, I want more than optimism. Just the stuff that I can see, oh, I, this will happen. I want hope for him. But even, even if he can't see the way out, he knows that God's in this and he's journeying with him. And I'd love you to pray for him. I'd love you to pray for him, because I want so much to see breakthrough. On the other side of that, and this is why I've felt all over the place this week, on the other side of this, we have two friends back home. And if you know our story, you know that we journeyed um, through just a real hard season of miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. And we journeyed this with some friends.
0: And we saw a breakthrough in that. And at times, I felt really guilty
1: because we had our kids and they didn't. This guy, this friend of mine, he came to know Jesus in the midst of all this. And he chose to hold on to hope. And even times whenever I thought, this is going nowhere. Like, you just got to live like there's the possibility this may never happen. And yet, I love him. He's shown me so much because he's held on to that promise. So he realized the promise came from God and not his circumstances. So why, when the circumstances didn't seem to be adding up, would he throw God out of the way? Two weeks ago,
0: his wife gave birth to two little twins. Twin girls. I
1: don't think I've ever wanted anything for anyone more than that. But you know what he taught me? It wasn't about the outcomes and that. It was holding on to hope. And that's what the enemy wants to take us away from. There is always hope. See, I, my mind got totally blown on this. We're coming into close here. My mind got totally blown on this. A couple of years ago, no, well, so more than that, it's about five, six years ago. So Zoe's Uncle Clark. Zoe's Uncle Clark loved Jesus with all his heart and I used to love spending time with him So I felt closer to Jesus by being around him and I remember he, he battled uh, cancer for years and he fought it hard but it got to the end and I remember saying to him Clark I don't know what to pray for you because I, I don't see hope in all of this by what is being said by the doctors right now He's like, Ricky. I don't know if it's the space that I'm in right now, but I have full clarity on this. I'm holding on to hope. But I'm holding on to hope because guess what? I'm getting healed the other way.
0: I'm either going to get healed here on earth.
1: And I get to share this story and hope will overflow. Or I get healed, but I do it in the presence of Jesus. There's a world out there who don't have that sort of hope. See, Abraham had promises and he never saw the fulfillment of that but he still pushed in anyway. And so I want to pray for us
0: in this. I want to pray for us in this. Would you stand for a moment because the enemy wants to rob us of hope.
1: If any of you know the Hunger Games, President Snow, he's the main antagonist in it, who's trying to break the people over and over and over again. And I feel a little bit like the Lord showed me something in this, like the enemy. Satan is trying to do exactly the same way, because this is the phrase here of President Snow. Hope. It's the only thing that's stronger than fear. A little hope is effective, a lot of hope is dangerous. I want to be dangerous for the kingdom because we have a hope that overflows. And so, if you need that,
0: let's pray for that right now. So, would you bow your heads just to give us a little bit of privacy around this? So, if you need that hope right now,
1: can you just really quickly put your hand up? And I know that's a big. Big step, okay, but the thing is, I'm going to get people around you to pray for you, so it's the only way. Because I'm not the only car of this, we all carry this. Who needs a bit of hope
0: right now? I know I do. Who needs some hope? Refilled with hope.
1: So, can I urge you really quickly just to look around you? Who are the people? Keep your hands up. Who are the people? And go. If you don't have your hand in there, go and put your hand on someone and begin to pray. I'm going to pray over that a release of hope. But get everyone praying amongst ourselves. So Jesus, thank you that you are the hope bringer. So Holy Spirit, we just release that afresh right now. We release hope across the room. We release peace across the room. Holy Spirit, overflow into our lives. Overflow into our lives. We pray more. There's always more hope. So we pray breakthrough in situations that seem hopeless right now. We pray breakthrough in medical conditions that seem hopeless right now. We pray a breakthrough in relationships that seem hopeless right now. We pray a breakthrough in problems that seem impossible and hopeless right now. And we speak the hope of heaven, not from some Irish Egypt wearing a pink shirt but from Jesus himself. Jesus, pour out your hope afresh. Pour it out.
0: Pour it out. So we're going to
1: stay in that place. Continue to pray for people. If you need someone to pray for you, go and ask someone. This is everyone gets to share in this. So we're just going to bring things into a soft close I want to say thank you for being here. We continue to release hope. If you've got kids, go and get your kids, but come back up if you need prayer. Don't leave without getting a little dollop of hope. We want to be generous with hope. In Jesus' name, yeah, Holy Spirit.